Hello, and welcome to episode two of St. Coleman's Podcast. I'm your host, Luke O'Mahony. We are delighted to have you back with us again today. Our guest will be the wonderful late night DJ, Ed Smith from Today FM, who plays some amazing rock for us after 9 p.m. Hello, Ed, and uh, welcome to the St. Coleman's Podcast. We are grateful to have you as our second guest on season two. Um, we all know you as an excellent radio DJ from Today FM. Uh, but what we'd like to know is what originally got you into radio presenting? Um, so what got me into radio first, quite honestly, was I was a weird kid and I would listen to radio as a six, seven, eight year old in my bedroom, listening to stations from all over the world with an old fashioned transistor that my father had. There was radios all over the house, antique radios. So I, I grabbed a little transistor. So I'd twist the dial <clears throat> And in my North Cork home, I'd visit Mexico and I'd hear voices from Eastern Europe. And for whatever reason, because I think uh, I grew up in two channel land, you, you, this will sound so alien to you, but there was only two channels when I was coming up. And uh, I think radio, and still to this day, but radio was such a huge part of people growing up in the country, their lives. It was such a huge uh, presence uh, at every stage of every day. And my father ran a pub. So the radio would be on downstairs in the lounge at all times, free music, so you wouldn't have to pay for a band. And uh, I just unconsciously became very obsessed at a very young age with um, with radio. Just I would listen to it a lot till all hours. And I think that's piqued my interest. But I don't think I was aware until I maybe went to college as to how um, important radio was to me. So... I kind of fell into it almost by accident, but I, looking back, I, I think I had a weird, strange, um, I suppose compulsion. I was drawn to radio from a very young age, yeah. Oh, very interesting. Um, all of us here are huge fans of the radio, radio music. For all of us that are aspiring DJs, what steps uh, should we follow to go down your path? Oh, it, that's great to hear, because I suppose some of us are concerned that uh, people your age are maybe more drawn to TikTok and YouTube and all that, but my advice would be, honestly, uh, to listen. L- listen to radio, uh, listen to the radio you like and make a note of why you like that particular presenter or the show or the style. And then also uh, listen, make a note of radio you don't like. Uh, if there's a particular station or show that you kind of go, oh my, and then examine and think to yourself, why is that annoying me? Why is that poor? What would I do to improve it? What kind of radio would I like to hear? and what's out there and what would be different. I know it sounds, I'm kind of covering a lot of bases there, but also listen to radio from England. Those English radio might be considered some of the best in the world. Your BBC Radio 1s, your BBC 6s, whatever music you're into, there's a a station for it in England. And I suppose they're a little bit more innovative and a bit of ahead of the curve due to the size of their market and the financial uh, clout they have over there. Then they are a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to radio than we are. Australia, traditionally, has always been a world leader, oddly enough, in, in radio. So just do a bit of digging around. But again, just you have to listen. I suppose it's like what you, if any aspiring author or painter, um, a painter, you'd say, go to a gallery, you know, look at, the, look at the works of the great artists from times past, present, and the ones that are tipped for the future. Same with authors, you've got to read. So for anyone who likes or thinks they want to get into radio, listen to it. Uh, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but you'd be surprised about how many people come in and that aren't uh, across the radio landscape, 
for the want of a better expression. You've got to be, I suppose, knowledgeable of what stations there are out there. Don't get too bogged down in the politics. But, you know, what Radio 1 does, what their audience is, who they're aiming for, what age group. They'd be a bit older, obviously. Not a tall content heavy. Uh, Liveline is the biggest show in the station. Or, sorry, biggest show in the country. And why that is. What is it about Liveline? And, you know, Lyric, what do they do? Who are they catering for? Then you've Spin, 104.90. You know, so and then I would then uh, seek out any community station that you have nearby. And... Offer to work voluntary, obviously, the weekends, just get in and around. That's something I regret not doing when I was coming up, that I didn't get my kind of grounding in grassroots radio. I think it would have stood to me later on in life. But uh, just find out that there could be a community, could be in a hospital radio station, could be anywhere. Just find out where there's a local radio station and offer to kind of be around it, maybe do up some demos as well with time, you know. So there's loads you can be doing. Loads of resources online. And it, again, it depends on what kind of radio you're hoping to make. Cool, thank you. So albums can speak to a lot of us and help us through some really dark times and tough times. I was wondering what album is your all-time favorite and what kind of impact oh, did it have on you? I know it's a tough question. <laughs> I wanted to limit it down to genre, but it was hard. Yeah. I, have, I, have two, I have two children and I'd almost prefer if you asked me to pick my favorite child. I think, okay, here's, here's my little... Uh, I don't know, a useless probably philosophy. I don't think, I'm not a big fan of lists, right? I think uh, people are, uh, there's a kind of a laziness that tends towards the top 10 grunge albums of all time, the top 10 this, the top, like the Rolling Stone 500 greatest songs of all time came out recently. And I studiously avoided it because there's no, there's no such thing really. But I suppose the albums that were significant to me, I think Out of Time by R.E.M., which came out in 91, uh, was a big album for me. It was the first one I bought under my own steam. Uh, Losing My Religion had come out and it hit me like a, a train between the eyes and my love affair with R.E.M. started. So I went out to a record store and the whole, I suppose, ceremony of going in. I was only, I think, 12 or 13. So I was in an innocent country, 12 and 13 as well. So I went into the shop in Cork and I was, I found the tape and I went up and they put it into a little bag and I went home. It took about 45 minutes to get home, run upstairs, but, the, you know, so all of that, I think, um, uh, out of time by R.E.M., thankfully the album has stood up since then. I was a real grunge kid, so when I heard Nevermind by Nirvana, yeah. uh, my life kind of paused briefly and every, nothing really was the same for me musically after that. It kind of opened up my mind. And I think I remember hearing Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time in the back of my dad's car and... Um, it was Larry Gogan, the late great Larry Gogan, who played it. And I just said to my dad, um, please, what's happening? Could you please turn it up? And he turned it up, bless him. And he just sat there going, what the F is this noise? And I was like, oh, it's, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. So, you know, uh, so like those kind of things. And there's albums since. Um, I think that when you're, when you're a teenager, 14, 15, 16, and you're coming into music in your own and powering your own furrow, um, that is the ideal time, really, because the, the albums you listen to in your 20s and 30s, whilst you might love them, oh, REM, or sorry, Radiohead, OK, Computer was a big album for me because there was a lot of personal stuff happening around that time with me with, needless to say, girlfriends and, and a lot of tumultuous. So that album has a lot of muscle memory for me. Plus, it's a masterpiece, straight up, it's a masterpiece. But, you know, and Bowie, as you could probably tell, uh, Ziggy Stardust, 
would bring me to a place uh, in San Francisco when I really got into Bowie. So again, I, I would attach a lot of almost smells and physical and life memories to albums. So they're the three, I think, that would be in my Desert Island discs. As we all know, you are a huge fan of rock music, especially of the 70s to 90s era. But how do you feel about this era's most popular genre of music, rap and hip hop, with artists like Drake and The Weeknd topping the charts nearly weekly? I think, um, I'll say this, I think it's, e it's easier to make, this is a bit of a sweeping statement, it's easier to make rock music a good rock song than it is to make the perfect pop song. Perfect pop over the years, uh, to my mind, is a greater art form. So, I mean, I've absolutely no snobbery when it comes to any of the artists that you've mentioned there. I think um, especially the hip-hop scene has always, since the late 70s, 80s, 90s, given a voice to a community. Uh, and increasingly, which I'm delighted to see in Ireland, that the Irish hip-hop scene in the last even five years, with the likes of uh, JLOL and Denise Chyla and many, many more, um, has really grown into it. It's really developed its own distinct voice, which I'm delighted to see because for years, rap in Ireland, there was none. There was none. So I think seeing the innovation and the musicality of uh, that scene coming through the generation uh, of kids born here to African or Caribbean parents, uh, it, it brings me great joy. And I think it will always speak, I think, to, you know, it might, to be honest, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I don't have many, uh, I don't have many weekend albums, but some of his songs, Blinding Lights, we play a lot on the station, a lot, a lot. But I get it. It's the biggest, you know, it's one of the biggest songs. I think it's one of the biggest pop hits of all time at this stage. I think it's gotten more radio play across in America than anything he's released since almost gets eaten up by. It only reignites people's interest in his previous records. He is a monstrous, and I mean that in a positive way. And an artist so big, not since Michael Jackson, I think, have I seen somebody who can produce music that is listened to by so many people. Yeah, like a total culture icon, like Lil Nas or something like that. Like they're becoming like the new wave of cultural kind of... Yeah, and I think, yeah, like TikTok is, I, I don't know, as I mentioned TikTok, but TikTok um, is a song, now you're, you're probably more across this than I am at the moment, The Anxiety and Willow. Uh, so Willow Smith is Will Smith's daughter, Will Jada Smith. Oh, something like and uh, I only came across this, the record label only got on to me about two weeks ago saying, have you heard this song? And I said, who is it? Willow Smith. And I instantly went, oh, you know, really? You know, I'm, I'm the cool indie rock guy. I don't know if, I, uh, which is something I'm really trying to not, uh, but I listened to it and it's really brilliant. It's really, really innovative, fresh, unique sounding. I definitely recommend and the And the album's really, really great. And she's what? She's probably about, about 21. Yeah. Uh, as well, her, her yeah, yeah, he's got some yeah, great stuff. Yeah, so I, I think one of the great things when I was coming up, nineties, noughties, the amount of snobbery attached to music, the amount of kind of elitist nonsense that would go on, like, oh yeah, I like the Cure and I like Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and oh, who do you like, Steps? <laughs> yeah, you know, there was a kind of a derogatory, snidey snobbishness that somehow alternative music, for whatever for what it's worth, indie music, rock music, was. Uh, was the domain for the more discerning, uh, more intelligent listener, that you were somehow deeper if you liked angsty, you know, and that is patent, blatant and offensive nonsense. You know, so I think as time has gone on, one of the, one of the reassuring things I've seen is that you could, I could come out and say, like, I loved the remix of Ariana Grande and The Weeknd. I loved the, um, 
the reimagining of that song when she joined. And I thought and I tweeted it out. And one or two people going, What? And I was like, Yeah, it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant radio song, it's brilliant pop. I love her voice. She's even made the song better. And I think some people are going to be like, um, you're the, you know, I was like, no, if a, a good song is a good song. And I think you, there's no such thing as a bad song. If you like it, there's no such thing as a bad song. Tim Burgess from the Charleston said that. That is a steadfast rule that I try to apply to. Now, with my own show, I, I don't play Declan um, or what's your man's name? Oh, my God. The guy, the guy that's all over the radio, and I can't remember his name, Dermot Kennedy. God, forgive me. I wouldn't play any of the, the more daytime stuff because my remit would be very much I'm giving a chance to bands that don't get daytime music. So there's a, there's a great band out in Northern Ireland called Thumper and I'm obsessed with it at the moment. So I kind of feel a responsibility to play some of the, the heavier, more kind of challenging Irish acts on my show because they just don't get a look in during the day. So, And some of the other bands and acts that people want to hear that won't just because the daytime schedule is so, so conservative that they have an opportunity at nighttime to get there and their time on the air but as uh, sorry to, as a roundabout way of asking your question the hip-hop scene and the grime scene and uh as as and, and will always serve a purpose to give a voice to any community that doesn't feel that they're being served by kind of more industrialized uh commercial pop and more power to it um we're aware of a health scare that you encountered last year and we were just wondering did that affect your workflow and uh are you doing okay now has it affected my work? It actually, in fairness, it actually hasn't. If anything, maybe it's affected my social life workflow, which probably needs to calm down. So I don't go out as much, if at all, much really, maybe once every couple of months. Uh, I don't burn the candle at both ends. I was kind of, I'd work hard and then I'd go out a lot, which kind of contributed to my to my near downfall. But uh, as regards to the work, no, I suppose it's made me more appreciative I take it a little easier when it comes to the stress levels. And I would spend a lot of time previously worrying and thinking about the shows and maybe getting hung up on the listenership figures and politics and work relationships with bosses, uh, stress levels as regards not getting enough new music. Oh, no, no. So I, t- I kind of take it a bit more in my stride now, which is which has served me much, much better. You know, a little bit of perspective of having a near-death experience. <laughs> not, that, not that I'd recommend it, but seeing as it has come along for me, I'm, I'm reading the messages. And But it, if anything, it's slowed me down outside work. But it hasn't really affected my, my, day-to-day, my day-to-day work. That does happen to a lot of people after like a near-death experience. Their life changes for the better, usually. So it's, it's, glad, it's glad to see you. You're uh, stress-free, mostly. No. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been, it's been, I've just turned into a very positive thing. So that's... that's uh, good being the public guy for music you must have been to a good amount of festivals and concerts in the last few years what artist or band performance stood out to you the most oh my god you know i got i got to see uh i was very lucky again uh you know you have to ask me the year for this i'm gonna go early 2000s rem played not a secret gig but they they're at the height of their powers and they they were going on tour and they set up a couple of shows, one or two shows in the Olympia to kind of get a little match fit for the world tour. And word got to me that REM were playing the Olympia and somehow uh, I was able to get myself a ticket and to be able to see REM at their peak in the Olympia and as such a huge fan of theirs, I think it was as near as heaven as God as I'll ever get. Um, but I suppose uh, I got to see Radiohead then in 
the three arena a couple of years ago. That was outstanding. Uh, the Rolling Stones surprised me because I went to see them in Crow Park. That must be two, that must be three years ago now. And I went in a little doubtful, to be honest, um, because of their age. I didn't think that they've had the ability to kind of still, and it was from the, the opening strum of Keith Richards' guitar. And I was like, oh God, uh, this is incredible. They absolutely uh, blew me away. So, and I got to see Blur very luckily in a very small venue in London, actually. I was brought over. I was a surprise gig and we were brought over and we're in this tiny little basement place and Blur came out. So I've been very lucky to, to, to see kind of um, specialised little events. Some of the great festivals over the years, I was at one of the first electric picnics and Arcade Fire came out and they weren't very well known in the world, but their debut album Funeral had just gone number one in Ireland. It was the first country in the world that Arcade Fire went number one in. And they came out and played the tent there and the crowd was so sang along to every song that the band st stood back from all the microphones and they almost put their instruments down. And they had just, I mean, think about it now, I'm getting emotional. They all had tears coming down their face because they couldn't believe the reaction of the Irish crowd. Everyone was singing every word at the top of it. It was such a joyous, beautiful moment. And I could just see the band standing there going, what is happening? You know, it's, it, you know, and I thought that was just one of those special moments. So I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky. I don't try, I don't get to as many gigs now, obviously for obvious reasons, uh, with the pandemic and all. But I am looking forward to uh, getting back to small venues to start with. I think I'm not quite ready for the old even hole of a mosh pit just yet, but hopefully with time. Uh, you mentioned before that you like you love giving the spotlight to new and upcoming acts or like bands. If you have, like, what are your new bands or acts that we should look out for that you think are like next? Uh, that's a good question. Do you know what? There's a lot of great stuff coming out of Northern Ireland at the moment. Very strong. Uh, there's a band called Cherum, C-H-E-R-Y-M. They're from Derry. And they've got a lovely, spiky, indie pop punk sound, which I am a sucker for. Female vocalist. And it just absolutely rattles and rolls. Short little songs. There's a band called so the Cherum, uh, Winona Bleach. Again, they're from Northern They're from Belfast. A great sound, again, I mentioned Thumper before. Their song, The Loser, which is out at the moment, makes me stand up in the studio and just, you know, clench my fist and do all kind of dad dancing. It is just incredible. There's a band called Silverbacks. They've got a, anything that's kind of a little bit different to the norm. Uh, Silverbacks, Cherum, Winona Bleach, and then I mentioned Thumper. And there's one more. I want to give somebody... Uh, Maria Kelly has a new album out. She's from Mayo. It's very delicate, very um, not lo-fi, but very delicate, very beautiful. You wouldn't want to, ha you, you couldn't turn it up too loud now. You'd have to have it on the earphones and immerse yourself in it. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. But the, the Irish music scene straight up is, I'm inundated. The only struggle I have really is finding time and room. Uh, all the great bands that I'm getting, I'm getting sent maybe now by my standards, about 10 bands a day. Oh, there's a band called The Flies I want to mention. They're from Roscommon. Um, a band called The Flies they've got three EPs out now they're only like they look like seven year olds I don't know where they're getting the time or skill but uh, the, by The fly, the Flies are one that I've watched out for but like I said the only problem I have really I wish I had I wish I had 20 hours uh, and I still wouldn't get to, to nearly all the great music that's been sent at the moment it is absolutely buzzing out there and bands have been busy due to the pandemic and I feel for them because they haven't been able to gig but they've been busy recording and it's, it's sounding amazing Perfect, thanks. Actually, I wanted, uh, they're not 
by any means new or by any means unpopular, but in Inhaler, you know, Bono's sons. Mm. Like, what are your thoughts on that band? Because honestly, I, I was getting uh, tickets for them up in like December, I think, for the Olympia. Yeah. I couldn't get them in the end, but I love their music. I just was wondering what yeah. your thoughts are. Uh, no, I, th- I think it's really good. You know, I think um, Inhaler is, I think I, I almost feel for them. I know you're, you're talking about Bono's son and you're feeling sorry for him, but yeah. I feel... Um, I've, I've seen a lot of lazy uh, journalism, so much journalism, but I think he's probably a bit bored now and tired of being labelled as Bono's son. And I think oh, he's, he's really trying to forge his own voice. The unfortunate thing is I can hear a little bit of his dad and his singing, which, which is going to be natural. But I think they've really got their own sound. They're very tight. Um, they've got some really strong songs. The album's done very well, I think. And I would have a lot. I've played them quite a bit on the show, and I know they got a bit of daytime action. They've signed to Universal, so they're the biggest label in the world. So um, they'd have a lot of backing. But I think he's done well. Uh, the songs he's got his own thing going on. That's not him. That's me doing it again. But the band have got their own thing going on, and they've been they've played it very smart. They've released singles at the right time. And the album came out, and they got the, just just praise, yeah. And they've got some really strong. I'd, I'd, I'd be very hopeful for their future, actually, on their own terms. And in their own right. And I don't think, I think they'll get to a stage hopefully where the whole Bono thing, uh, it, it, of course, it will be mentioned from, from now on. But it would be more equal standing than him. Yeah, and I think maybe they come to the stage where they'll ask him, Bono, you're your, man's, you're your man's son or father from Inhalers. That'd be great to see that one. There, yeah, but... You've been on Today FM for about 23 years now. What career path do you think you would have went down if you never became a radio presenter? You know, somebody asked me this yesterday and I, I froze. I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd law down uh, in my CEO originally and I did the change of mind thing when I saw the prospectus for the communications DIT and it's, it's the luckiest break I ever had because I would have been an absolutely dreadful lawyer. Uh, I think I would have gone into some form of uh, maybe journalism or writing of some some kind of creative but uh, i was very lucky to fall into radio but i think i would have gone into maybe journalism yeah everyone has like an inspiration growing up or everyone has someone to look up to who was your biggest idol and how have they influenced your life uh radio wise mm, that's you know uh, dave fanning uh was was a huge played a huge role for anyone coming up uh, musically in the 80s, 90s in Ireland because really and truly nationally he was the only show in town. Of course he broke U2 and all that but he would have brought so many his show would be on at 10 o'clock at night so that was the only outlet for so many kids coming up that wanted to hear what the new music was. There was nowhere else. There was no MTV. There was no internet obviously so you would flock to the radio to find out. Uh, so he was hugely important So he, and his his delivery and his radio style slightly very unpolished as such. He wasn't like your daytime jock with that weird mid-Atlantic kind of cheesy voice. You know, he spoke as he, and I've met Dave a few times. He's exactly as he is outside the studio, as he is on air. He, he speaks a mile a minute. He's a very warm, funny, intelligent character. And that's what he brought to the studio. So I think he would have been a huge influence um, on me growing up. Uh, so anything along those lines, yeah. I mean, also, my, I guess, you know, personally, this is my father was such a huge radio fan that I would have uh, leaned towards him for many years as regards 
he got he kind of it was his love of radio have um, uh, physical radios around it. I've got a few radios here now even I'm looking around uh like the kind of beauty of the the actual pieces themselves I would have got from my father but as regards Irish radio I suppose Dave Fanning back in the day uh now more more recently I got to work alongside Tony Fenton who would have been at the opposite side of the spectrum to Fanning really but Tony Fenton God rest him who passed away some years ago uh was one of the most charming, warmest, most beloved characters on radio that I've seen. And it's impossible to recreate, but he would have been, I don't know if you could, I could even try and pretend to get near to his uh, charisma, but to see how much people reacted and responded to Tony Fenton would have been, uh, I, was, I was very glad to be around to see that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Did the music you listened to when you were younger have a strong impact on the music you listen to now? Hmm, that's a good question, actually. That's a very good question. Uh, yes, I would imagine so. I've tried to broaden my horizons since. Now, there's a lot of music that I missed out on, but I'm trying to go back on um, stuff from the 80s that maybe I would have turned my nose up at uh, at the time when I was a super cool indie grunge kid. I was, maybe I fell into the trap of being slightly... Um, derogatory towards some genres, for example, uh, that I'm trying to fill in those gaps now that I've wised up and copped on a bit. So the music I would have listened to back then, I, I, if I hear a trace, uh, maybe like maybe a, a, of, a, of a grunge, or if I hear a trace of the Smashing Pumpkins or some of the bands of The Cure that I love coming up, I suppose I'd be more drawn to that music. But I've really tried, I, I went through a big... Uh, country and bluegrass phase there which I couldn't play on the radio for the most part but, um, I've been trying to explore different avenues um, hip-hop is one that I've been really trying to uh, hip-hop wouldn't have played a massive role in my musical upbringing so that's something that I've been trying to go back on actively go back to listen to a bit of Nas you know um, all of those great innovators in hip-hop in the late 80s early 90s so Tribe Called Quest all of that so there's a lot of the time I'm spending now is actually going back on bands and genres that I actively, to my great shame, avoided when I was coming up. So if anything, I'm trying to uh, to catch up. Yeah. As a huge fan of Fruit Fighters myself, my favorite songs being DOA and Generator. What's your favorite Fruit Fighters song? Ooh, I like I like Monkey Wrench. Best of You is the best of you. Yeah. Uh, I like Monkey Wrench. Uh, learning to Fly is lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm it sounded, but the earlier Foo Fighters stuff. Uh, Big Me, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, that's a lovely little song. Uh, so yeah, The Pretender. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Sorry, just at the top of my head. So that Learning to Fly, The Pretender, Big Me, uh, the first one or two Foo Fighters albums, considering where he came from after the massive success of Nirvana. He's such a hugely talented and now obviously likable man, but um, I think the early Foo Fighters, the more recent stuff, I'm finding it harder, I think, to to warm to, but I must, the new album, Medicine at Midnight, isn't it? Uh, I must give that a few more lists. I played a few tracks of it, but I think I'm still more drawn to their earlier stuff, uh, the first two or three albums. Yes, and beautiful. Um, all My Life, of course, as well. You've got to give All My Life a shot. That's an absolute blaster, but yeah, brilliant bands, Foo Fighters, brilliant. I agree with all those opinions. <laughs> now, at the end of our podcast, we usually ask our guests what song got them through the pandemic. So, 
What song gets you through tough times? This is, um, okay, I'm going to say it. I'm a, I'm a big Dolly Parton fan. So if I put on Jolene, I think Jolene uh, is, to my mind now, there's no such thing, it's my favourite song. Uh, it's, I think it's one of the greatest records of all time. So I will put on Jolene. If I've got my Spotify charts at the end of every year, invariably, <laughs> Jolene will be number one. And then it's like the usuals after that, like Radiohead and all that, R.E.M. and all the cool band. Like Jolene, Dolly Parton. So uh, I never get tired. I can listen to it 18, 20 times a day and still find something that I haven't heard in it before. It just gets me every single time. So I will vote for Dolly Parton's Jolene. I would like to personally thank our second guest, Ed Smith, for coming on the podcast. You've been wonderful and great to have on. Goodbye from all of us here at St. Coma's Podcast. Jolene, 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 I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Because you can Your beauty is beyond compare With flaming locks of auburn hair With ivory skin and eyes of emerald green Your smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain And I cannot compete with you, Jolene He talks about you in his sleep And there's nothing I can do to keep from crying When he calls your name Jolene And I can easily understand How you could easily take my man But you don't know why